Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Chris Sumner, and yes, she is back to talk about all of her experiences with paranormal investigating. She has been a delight to talk to and such a support for me and my podcast. So guys, I had to have her back anyway. She's got some new ventures going on. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Leslie. I appreciate being back. I tell you, I have been all over your Facebook page and noticed that you are running something in Huntsville, Tennessee. I'm going to let you explain that to my listeners because it is so fascinating and I want you to tell them all about it. Absolutely. So uh, my business partner and I, we got together. Her name is Miranda Young, and she's actually a paranormal investigator as well. And uh, her show is called Ghost Biker Explorations. So earlier this year, we decided that we wanted to open a historical museum, and we wanted to really do it in a location that had reports of paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. And so she is actually from Scott County, Tennessee, and she said, you know, there's this jail that's been sitting there vacant since 2017, and there are reports of activity inside the jail. So what we, we put together a business plan and approached the town of Huntsville and asked if we could start this, this business. So we started a, an LLC called History Highways and Haunts, LLC, and they allowed us to open up inside the jail. So what we have now is this very robust museum that outlines the history of Scott County, but it also outlines some of the, uh, the paranormal claims that go on inside the jail as well. And the jail was built in 1908. It was in operation until 2008 when it closed uh, to inmates. And then it set vacant till about 2017 when a historical grant was granted for the jail. And uh, then after that, after they did some remodeling and some painting, it set vacant from 2017 until this year when Miranda and I opened this venture. Wow. Listen, first of all, what a perfect time of year. Let's just get that out of the way, right? <laughs> Now, the the cool thing is, guys, Chris is really smart. She's got a PhD. Uh, her background is in criminal justice. So what's so incredible with her is she knows what she's doing. She knows how to present things. She knows how to kind of get her way with things in, in, in a good way to help preserve places, especially places like this jail. And the fact that she's running tours with this and starting her own business with this particular jail and, you know, exploring the history of the whole city, I think that's incredible. So tell me about the paranormal that goes on there. Do you have, how much history do you know about it so far, Chris? Well, and first of all, thank you for saying that. Uh, you know, both Miranda and I, we both have a love of history as well as historic preservation. Mm -hmm. So w before we even started this, you know, we, we came up with a very solid business plan on how we could promote this location, not just the jail, but also the city with regard to preservation of, of the jail, but also bringing tourist dollars into the city. And uh, so Miranda's background is actually in marketing. So with my research background and Miranda's marketing skills, we really had the perfect combination yeah. to really present this to the city. And so that's really what we did first and foremost is to bring the historical aspect to light. But the paranormal aspect is actually pretty fascinating as well. Um, you know, it, it really started when the jail opened in 1908, really? when it was built. Um, they've had reports of paranormal claims pretty much the entire length of its history. In uh, 1925, there was a sheriff, his name was R.D. Ellis, and he was bringing a prisoner into the jail and he was shot from behind. He was shot and killed. And it's still Scott County's greatest unsolved mystery as to who killed the sheriff. 
And uh, so his body was taken in the, into the jail and prepared for burial. And so reports are that he is still in the jail. We've had paranormal investigators come in and oh, wow. they've actually captured the name R.D. Ellis or, or Richard Ellis. They've captured the, the, the word sheriff um, several times. So that was one of the reported claims. And what's interesting is the claims aren't just coming from paranormal investigators or from Miranda and myself. Oh, wow. We've actually had sheriff's deputies who worked inside the jail when it was operation contacting us. So, for example, we had a gentleman contact us and said, you know, I used to work in the jail, and during the night, the elevator would start running on its own and oh would gosh. stop from floor to floor and for no reason. And then there's a stairwell that runs in the back of the jail that accesses all three levels. And he said that there were numerous times while he was working in there that the footsteps running up and down the, the stairwell would be so prevalent that they would call an emergency headcount to make sure prisoners weren't trying to escape. Really? And Yes. And so we also had a woman who came in and, and uh, she was a, a jailer there at one point. And she said that she would uh, she was riding the elevator one night by herself and something coughed in her ear. Oh and gosh. since that time, she took the stairs uh, the rest of the time she was employed there. So, so very credible people are telling us these things that happened. And then since Miranda and I have opened this venture, we've had our own claims, our, our own reports. Ooh, um, do tell. For example, <laughs> the third level is the maximum security portion of the jail. And so I was opening one morning and I had a cup of coffee and I was just kind of walking through, making sure all the, the cells were ready to go for the for the general day tours. Mm-hmm. And I just threw out there, I said, good morning, everybody. Does anybody want a cup of coffee? And a man's voice said, open your eyes. <gasps> and so that was pretty interesting. Oh and gosh. so just different different things like that. And it's, it's you know, aside from the historical aspect, the paranormal aspect of this location is, is pretty intense. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, when you actually hear the actual voices, you know, I know on EVP, they're classified A or whatever they're classified. But uh, just to hear them with your ear, I mean, holy cow, Chris, did it kind of scare you or did it just were you just like, yeah, it's OK, I'm cool with this. Well, it didn't it didn't scare me for the fact that it was paranormal. I actually thought somebody had come in um, downstairs. So, I, I mean, I kind of, you know, kind of took off at a brisk pace to, to go to the stairwell to go downstairs. And then I realized, no, that that came from one of the cells. And so at that point, I was fascinated. So now Miranda and I, we've taken to just carrying a voice recorder with us everywhere we go, um, whether we're turning on lights upstairs or whatever. We had a paranormal investigation team there a couple weekends ago. And so they left. And so she was closing up and it was about 3.30 in the morning and she was closing up. She was there by herself and she heard a guy humming in the stairwell. And so he, he hummed for two or three bars and then he cleared his throat and then he hummed some more. And so Miranda's like, okay, I think that's my sign to go. And so she walked into the gift shop to get her belongings. And we have a security camera inside the gift shop. And we captured a male's voice saying, there she is. And and so I'm actually going to be releasing that as a quick clip video here, probably today. So everybody can hear that. Um, And then, yeah, then she and I were doing a, just she and I were upstairs uh, just doing a quick investigation on our own. We had some voice recorders going and we were some asking some questions and we captured a male's voice saying you girls are going to die. What? So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, you know, I know you have some of the history. Was there as far as the sheriff we know he's kind of maybe still hanging around, but are there any prisoners that had bad experiences that you think that might be around or are there any folklore about those kinds of things there? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So like I said, this jail was built in 1908. So just the historical aspect really lends itself to um, violence and different things that happen inside the jail. And it was only two stories up until 1922. And then they added the third story, which I said before, is, is the maximum security portion of the jail. But when it first opened, the jailers and their families actually lived in one of the rooms at the, at the bottom floor. Oh. So you had the full spectrum of life from life and death going on just inside the jailers quarters. Oh, um, so, yeah. So but there's been numerous reports of violence. There was actually the reports of a woman. This was in the 1960s. Uh, she was upstairs. She was being very unruly. So they put her down into the drunk tank. We, we have two drunk tanks there. Oh so gosh. they put her down. And, yeah, we put her down in one of the drunk tanks and shut the door. And she had smuggled a razor um, from upstairs. Oh, and, and so she proceeded to cut herself so violently that um, when they went to go check on her, the blood was coming out underneath the door. Yikes. And so, yes, yeah, so they took her to the hospital where she where she died so she didn't actually die in the jail but she died at the hospital soon after and uh, so the reports are that you can hear a woman's um crying inside the uh the drunk tanks Um, miranda's actually heard that so there's a lot of instances like that since we've opened the jail we opened in september um, we've had former inmates come and tell us that it was overcrowded that it was just a brutal place to be housed In fact, we have reports of several inmates who said that they requested to be transferred to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary rather than do their time in that jail because it was such an eerie jail to be in. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Wow. And Br- Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary is a maximum security prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually heard of that place wow you know and and the thing is it's a really cool building it's very pretty for a jail to me don't you think it is it's gorgeous it looks like a a castle and yep and to us it's just it has beauty on the inside and the outside and it, it just it's one of those that it really came together to allow us to to bring this plan to fruition um, in just a really unique way. And right. so we're very fortunate and very blessed to have had this opportunity. Yeah. So when you guys run the tours, do you do them every night? Is it just on the weekends? Tell me, I and mean, maybe it changes for October, but tell me kind of what's going on with that. Well, our paranormal investigations, uh, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Our our day tours were open five days a week. Our days off are Tuesday and Wednesdays. But other than that, we have general historical tours on our opening days all day. And then paranormal investigations, we have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. You can book and have a private paranormal investigation there from 8 p.m. until 3 a.m. And then just this last week, we started offering flashlight tours where uh, you know, you'll go around the jail with us. We give you a flashlight and we tell you the history as well as the ghost stories. And that's an hour and a half tour. And then we have public ghost hunts where you can book for three hours and you'll actually investigate with either Miranda or myself or both of us. Nice. And so that, yeah, so that allows people from the public who really want to get a ghost hunting experience, but really aren't paranormal investigators. Right. And so, you know, we'll go with our, our tools and our equipment and we'll sit down and just have some EVP sessions. And, and different things to try to get you the feel of, of what a paranormal investigation looks like and hopefully get some really cool evidence to, to back it up. Right. And actually, and I know how you investigate because you're very respectful for um, everyone that you encounter, whether it's uh, somebody that died there or just somebody that's visiting, who knows who it is that's there. But yeah, you know, I, yeah. Okay, so I know you also do just general paranormal investigating. So tell me some of the things that you've done lately. I think you said you had a couple stories for me of things that you've been doing lately, and they're kind of crazy. 
Yeah, so we've actually, you know, aside from what we're doing here, um, I am the founder of Soul Sisters Paranormal, and uh, that's a team that I founded with my sisters and I, and and we just really go around the country telling the historical narrative of these amazing locations, and then trying to couple that with paranormal activity that we find during our investigations. And uh, since this year, it, it has kind of morphed into a two-investigator format with my twin sister, Jenny, and I. And I think since we spoke last, we've been to several really interesting places. Uh, The most recent one, we were in Post Town, Ohio, at the Post Town Elementary, and and we got to have that experience with Miranda from Ghost Biker, as well as Sarah Jane, who you met earlier this year, um, from Paranormally Blonde. And and that was just a great investigation. It's it's this elementary school that was built in 1937. It was in operation until 1999. And it said vacant until 2004, when the current owner bought it. And it's just an amazing experience to go through this former elementary school uh, and really just kind of see what it was like because there's desks and everything still sitting there. But we actually captured some very interesting paranormal activity in there as well. We haven't released that episode yet, but uh, we were hearing door slams. We've captured some EVPs on there that we'll be revealing here soon. So that was a great investigation for us. Jenny and I went to several places in Florida, um, the Monticello Opera House, uh, nice. the, the May Stringer House. We've been there during the course of this last year. So just really getting some interesting investigations under our belt. Right. Well, you know, and I know you, when you investigate, you know, like I said, you go all in. But let me ask you, though, what do you think most of it is? Do you think there really are ghosts there? Do you think it's residual? I'm sure it's a mixture of both. But tell me your take on ghosts and spirits in general. Well, for us, what we go in and do is we're actually trying to communicate with those spirits that we feel had a human existence, okay. right? They, they were born, they lived, they died, right. and for some reason, they are able to communicate with us. Uh, I have three theories on that. The first one is that they do have unfinished business. Something has to be fulfilled in order for them to move on to whatever's next. Right. Um, the, the second theory is that they're stuck. They know that they're dead, but they can't find a way to move on to the next realm. And then the third one is fear of retribution uh, for the life that they lived while they were on earth. Uh, They're just more comfortable staying where they are rather than facing any type of, you know, quote unquote, hellfire and damnation um, based on their, their, their life. Uh, I think we, I think we find that a lot in prisons, um, insane asylums, jails. I think those are who we're communicating with there. And so for us, that's, kind of how we go in and approach our investigations. Now, we've been fortunate enough to find evidence of both residual and what we call intelligent, um, i.e. when we went to investigate Hales Bar Dam in Guild, Tennessee, there's a series of tunnels that run under these dams. And so Jenny and I were, were down there, we were conducting an EVP session, and I simply said, can you say my name? And through the tunnel system came the word Christy. Very wow. deep male voice yelled the name Christy. And for me, that's intelligent, Absolutely. right? It sees us, it hears us, yeah. it's acknowledging and responding as I ask. Yes. Um, but we've actually captured things that are what we consider residual. And that the way I explain that is simply a, a blip in time. Um, if you imagine a record on a record player that has a scratch on it, as it's spinning, every time it hits the needle, that scratch is going to blip. And so that's how I kind of explain a residual haunting. It's something that is going to keep con- occurring, whether it be on an anniversary or the date of an event or something that triggers it to, you know, kind of come to fruition. 
That's what we hear. So for an example of that, uh, Jenny and I were investigating the Ma Barker house in central Florida, and this was the site of the 1935 shootout between Ma and Fred Barker, who two members of the Barker Carpus gang, and a group of FBI agents. It culminated in Ma and Fred being killed inside this house on January 16, 1935. So when we conducted our investigation, I wanted to investigate on the anniversary of the shootout. Mm -hmm. So in 2018, Jenny and I went in on January 15th. We set up a lot of stationary equipment inside the house, and we left the house. We locked it up. We left it to run on its own to encompass the morning of January 16th, which would have been the anniversary of the shootout. And so when we went back and listened to the audio and watched the video footage from that night, uh, we captured an EVP inside the room where Ma and Fred were killed. Um, It was actually two voices. The first one said, Freddie. The second one said, yeah, Ma. The first one said, get ready. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually what was spoken right before the shootout happened 83 years prior. And so that's what we would call a residual. Right. Well, and also, I'm curious, though, because... I know there has to be some things out there that you can't explain, whether it's a feeling, whether it's something that really frightened you. Um, I've heard people talk about elementals. Do you have any idea about those kinds of things? And tell me if you've ever really been frightened to where you're like, I can't explain that. And that scared the crap out of me. (laughs) We've never really been frightened, per se. Um, You know, when we go into these investigations, we kind of go into research mode and exploration mode where it's all about trying to find out the answers for us. So now don't get me wrong. I mean, you can't be in a maximum security prison and hear a door slam and not be startled to some extent, but we actually kind of run towards it and say, okay, what was that? How can we explain this? I'd be running Um, away from it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I would. Uh, You know, but like I said, the way we approach our investigations is really one of respect for the entity that we're trying to communicate with, as well as the, the property that we're on, right? Really respecting it for its historical aspect. And, and so for us, we've never run into anything that I would consider, you know, demonic or evil, uh, because we don't really go looking for that. Okay. Uh, and for me, a demon is not something that had a human existence. I think I think a demon is something that is the representation of the evil that's the good and the evil of the world. And so we really don't attempt to find that. We don't provoke in any way. You know, we don't go in with bravado or chest thumping or anything like that. It really is a quest to find the story. And if you watch any of our videos, that's how we approach it. You know, we're here to tell your story. Will you allow us to do that? And I think because of that approach, we've never experienced anything personally that I would consider malicious or that wants to harm us in any way. Now, are you ever called to someone's home that think that there might be something, you know, very malevolent? Mm -hmm. Yes, we've been called to businesses as well as uh, residential houses. And, you know, when we approach those, Again, we approach it just as we would any historical location. We do the background research on that, and then we'll do an investigation. And we have found instances where there are things that might not be conducive to a a nice living environment. Let's just put it that way. And so in those instances, we will have a priest or a shaman or a demonologist come in to help the homeowners with that, because we don't do that. That's not really in our wheelhouse. So, you know, we, we just find the evidence that something is occurring and then we let, you know, somebody else that's more experienced and educated in that process 
help the homeowners uh, get rid of it. Well, it's cool that you guys have some people on standby that you can go, hey, listen, this is more than we need to handle or we can handle. So, uh, and bringing someone in that knows what they're doing, because I know people play with Ouija boards, people play with, you know, spirit boards or whatever you want to call them or whatever they do to, you know, conjure things up. And it can get dangerous. Oh, it absolutely can, especially when you go in with what I would say are the wrong intentions. And, you know, for me, a Ouija board just in its its state is just a board, right? It's just a a game, essentially. It's the negative connotation behind it that leads to trouble when you start really putting the wrong intentions behind the use of this board. But you can do that with anything, right? If if you have, um, you know, negative intent or trying to quote unquote scare yourself on a Saturday night and just dealing with things that you don't understand, you can essentially uh, call up something that you're not prepared to handle. Right. So, you know, to your point, yeah, absolutely. If if you start playing around with that stuff, um, there are instances where it could come back to bite you literally. Right. And, you know, it's kind of like um, I was talking to another paranormal investigator and she said, uh, well, we talked about poltergeists and my understanding of those are more manifested by people than and, and that's how they become an entity as opposed to just showing up somehow. Is that kind of how you perceive them as well? Exactly. That's kind of a good way to phrase it. Um, you know, those things that really want to show you that they're there. Um, they don't really care what your intentions are one way or the other. They want to make their presence known. But again, you know, I, I would lump poltergeists in the same realm as I would a demon. It's really not anything that had a human existence. Right. It, it just is a manifestation of the negative. Yeah, it just um, wants and to I, wreak I, havoc. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, so we have had instances where we'll be called in to to look at those. But, you know, on the flip side, we've also had instances where, you know, we have people call us and say, my house is extremely haunted. Will you come and take a look at it? Or my business is haunted. And we go in and find that they're actually environmental factors, right? Light pollution, noise pollution that they just don't consider. So we actually go in with a healthy skepticism first uh, to see if we can really kind of debunk these claims and then what we're left with after we control for those things we call the unexplainable. Well, and I'm sure it eases a lot of tension with everyone when they come in and they think something's going on in their property or business and they're freaking out. You come in with your knowledge and your education about all of this and you're like, listen, uh, you've got really high EMF. That can cause some kind of delusions. So get rid of that. This is what's causing that. Uh, the light, this car was coming up. You thought somebody's walking. No, it was a car. <laughs> Whatever, your car lights. Yeah, and you're exactly right. It's just we, we kind of go in with, a, I, I guess, a different perspective, um, not so much a, a higher education level or anything like that, but it's just it's a different perspective of something that the, the homeowner or the business owner might not think about. Right. Uh, so, for example, we were called into this gentleman's business. He had just opened it a couple weeks prior. And his security cameras kept going off. He kept noticing these blips in the security camera. So he was absolutely convinced that they were haunted. And so he had a a storefront. It was a a brick-and-mortar location. It had um, the storefront was all glass. He had some mirrors. He had some display cases. And he had these night vision video cameras. And so we went in and we did an investigation. And we left some of our night vision video cameras in different locations around the business. And we let them run for the night. And so when we came back the next day... I said, did you have any anomalies on your, your cameras? And he said, oh, yeah, it was a very active night. And I said, well, give me those timestamps and let me cross-reference it with our our night vision video cameras. Mm-hmm. So we did. And what we found was the way his building is positioned, it runs uh, perpendicular to a highway that has a large volume of U-turn traffic. Uh-huh. So when the cars would make a U-turn, 
the light would beam into the building, bounce off his mirrors, and essentially blind his night vision video cameras to the point where they would turn off and then turn back on, and he considered that paranormal. So I, I said, you know, just change the angle of the camera or get rid of the mirrors, and I think your activity will stop, and it did. So it, we just looked at it in a different way, and, and so that's what we, we really try to do on all the locations that we investigate. Well, that's the thing. If you go in thinking everything's horribly haunted or everything's a demon, you're going to be just as frightened and not have any answers just like them. The fact that you go in and you say, listen, this is how we work. And you've always told me that since since I've known you. You said, you know, I go in with healthy skepticism. I go in and we try to debunk before we do anything else. Then if there's something that that's beyond what we thought it would be, that's kind of the cherry on the top. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. Exactly. You know, and I, I think, you know, popular television shows have really done well, they've done two things. The first one is they've allowed the general populace to know that we exist and we do these things. Right. But then they do us a disservice to the fact that, you know, everybody considers things demonic or evil. You know, when I tell somebody I'm a paranormal investigator, the very first thing they want to ask is, what have you encountered that's demonic? Um, have you seen any demons? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that or they want to tell me their ghost story. So it, it's, it, <laughs> you know, so for us, like I said before, we've been to so many, quote unquote, haunted locations uh, around the country and we've never experienced anything like that. I mean, a lot of the spirits that we interact with have simply wanted us to know that they're there or to allow us to hear their story. Um, yeah. So that's that's been a, a really positive aspect of what we do. Well, and I think, like you said, I think you're a little bit untouchable to them. And I mean that in a good way. I mean it like, okay, they're not going to give us their fear or their power. Because they're not, you know, because I do think they would feed on, you know, someone's fears. If, they, if it really was haunted, they'd be like, oh, good, let me screw with these people. And they do that, you know, regardless. So, yeah. But um, have you ever considered saging something when you've been done with it? Have, has it ever come to that for you? Or, you know, have you ever noticed things happen more at like three in the morning? Has any of that kind of thing happened? Um, well, the, that's a two-part question. So yes. for the first one, there were some residentials that we did sage and stuff. And you do feel a lightness in the air really? or a, a different positive energy mm-hmm. flow through the house. Um, so I do believe that saging is a good way to, to really, n- not even just for spirit energy, just for overall energy, right. um, you know, to kind of change the atmosphere yeah, of a location. That. So mm-hmm. I, I do I do subscribe to that. And then as far as the three o'clock uh, question, yeah, you know, it, it is an interesting phenomenon as, as it kind of gets later into the night, earlier into the morning. We do have, in a lot of cases, a ramp up of activity. I think that really kind of stems from the fact that, uh, you know, we've been in the location for a few hours. The spirits are starting to get acclimated to us. You know, we are acclimating to the location. But uh, we've captured numerous things that really occur between, you know, that 12 and 4 o'clock in the morning hours yeah. that we really can't explain. Right. And, uh, you know, but again, it's one of those things that for us, it's just, it's so fascinating. Um, and to have people really think of it as something demonic, that really kind of, you know, angers me a little bit because it's really not like that. Right, because you're really, essentially, if it truly is haunted, you are literally dealing with people. They may not be, they may not be physical people, but you're dealing just with people. They're no different than you and I. So when you go in and and you hear the people on the ghost whatever show, I won't name the ones, and they start, you know, trying to, you know, make them mad and just call them out and just brutalize them. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't do that at someone else's house. 
So, you know, yeah, you know, exactly. You know, a, a good example is we investigated the Grand Old Lady Hotel in Balsam, North Carolina. This was okay. this was last year. And this is an amazing location. It's this three story hotel, all hardwood, grand staircases, about 100 guest rooms, a, a great wow. ballroom. As I said, it was built in 1905 as part of the, the railway system there through Balsam, North Carolina. Nice. And the current owner has really kept it essentially as it was during that time period. So there's no televisions in the rooms. Um, there's no radios in the rooms. She really wants you to have that sense of community when you go and visit this location. Right. So when we investigated there, we actually rented the entire hotel for a weekend. So we were there for a Friday night and a Saturday night, and we left on Sunday. Okay. And this was with Miranda. So it was Miranda Young um, and then and my twin sister, Jenny, and I. And uh, as I said before, we had run of the entire property. We're the only three people on this property. Okay. And so for those two night investigations, we were finding some really cool stuff. You know, we're, um, you know, kids were talking to us. They were responding to wow. our K2s. Balls were rolling around, um, captured some really interesting things. For example, we were in the kitchen at about two in the morning. And I said, you know, if you're here, can you just give us a sign? And the coffee pot turns on, right? Oh, There's wow. no reason why this coffee pot should turn on at two in the morning because yeah. we're in the off season, right? The entire place has really been kind of shut down. And so that was fascinating. And then on Saturday night, we all decided to stay in one suite up on the third floor, which is one of the most reportedly haunted locations in the building. So it's a it's a suite that has basically two sleeping rooms, mm-hmm. but only one door that accesses the hallway. Okay. So that's the only way in or out of the room. So Miranda was sleeping in the room closest to that doorway, and then Jenny and I were in the interior room. Right. And so we had said our goodnights, and about 15 minutes later, there's a man outside the door, and he goes, please don't go. What? And we captured it on everything that we had running that night. Uh, Miranda says, did y'all hear that? And I said, yes. And she goes, what was that? And I said, there's a man outside our door. And she goes, that's what I thought. Oh and so, you know, it, it wasn't frightening. It was one of those things that oh, was that was so freaking <laughs> cool that we just captured that. But, yeah. you know, thank you for speaking with us and all of that. So we left that experience with just an amazing sense about the place, right? There was nobody that wanted to harm us. They just wanted us to communicate with them. And they were happy about that. Right. And so that yeah. was our experience. But there's another investigator who went there and he'll be releasing something later this year where it kind of puts a different spin on it, um, going more toward the dark and um, and demonic side. And that to me just is so different than what we experienced. Well, and you just said it's all about intention. But if you go in and you're all frightened and you go crazy like I might, um, I would just be more frightened. I wouldn't try to, you know, go, go up against him or anything. But I can understand if they're literally like people, I can understand them getting frustrated and a little pissed off, to be honest with you, uh, making them sound like they're demons when they're not. They're just people wanting to be heard. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's been our experience as well. You know, like I said, I, uh, I have absolutely enjoyed every place that we've gone to, not only for the paranormal, but also for the historical aspect of it. And there's not been one where I'll say I'm never going back there because I was scared or frightened of, or that there was something evil inside. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think anything has ever followed you home? No. Um, before we go into a location, we'll say a prayer of protection. When we come out, we say a prayer of protection. And when we're in 
in conducting the investigation, we actually set our boundaries. And by that, I mean, we go in and say, you are not allowed to touch us unless we give you permission to do so. You're not allowed to follow us home. Um, You're not allowed to hurt us in any way. And we're going to respect you if you respect us. And honestly, that has really been a good formula for us. As I said before, you know, we've had times where we've been touched, but we've We've given them permission to do so. Uh, So, for example, we were at the Exchange Hotel in Gordonsville, Virginia, and this was a hotel that was built before the Civil War, a very opulent hotel, and it was built because there's a railroad junction right there in front of it. So it was for the travelers at the time. During the Civil War, it was converted into a Civil War hospital where there's been 700 confirmed deaths of both Union and Confederate soldiers inside this building. And then after the Civil War, it was converted back into a hotel. And now it's a museum that highlights both the the hotel aspect, but also the, the Civil War aspect. Anyway, one of the spirits that's said to reside there is a, a child by the name of Jeremiah. Oh. And so when we know that there's that story, you know, we get down on that level. I, I sit down and I say, hey, Jeremiah, do you want to play patty cake or can you give me a high five? Oh. And so in that instance, you know, I felt something on my hand. And really? so... Yes. So if, if, if that's the case, you know, if I give them permission to touch me, that's a different story. But uh, as I said, we, we definitely set those boundaries. And I think because of that, we've never had anything follow us home. That's just, that's incredible. And the fact that you, like I said, maybe since you've been doing it as long as you have, and if I were to have been doing it as long as you guys, I wouldn't be so startled. You know, it would take a few times for me. I write paranormal romance novels, and I'm all about the Stephen King kind of aspect of things and, and love it. But, you know, put me in a situation. I don't know how I would do, but you and I, um, we were going to meet in uh, Mineral Wells, uh, yeah, last summer, but COVID and uh, they had to shut it down. I think, I, I'm not even sure what happened now. I can't remember, but we could. Th- th- that's right. It wasn't summer. It was the dang snowstorm and the lovely losing power for a week. That was fun. Yeah. I felt like glamping yeah. in my own house. But um, whenever you come back, we've got to get together and try that place because I would, I might even want to go on a, a little ghost hunting tour with you, but at least if nothing else, a tour, you know, during the day. But girl, you have been as usual, so fun and so insightful. And it really makes me feel good that I'm talking to somebody that's a good paranormal investigator that, you know, I wish the people on TV could take note from. Could, you know, although, well, it's true, but but they wouldn't. And you know why? Because it wouldn't make for as fun a TV for everybody else. They have to dramatize everything up, you know. Mm-hmm. And, Go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sorry not to interrupt, but, you know, and I understand that. I sure. understand sure. that the goal of a TV show is to sensationalize, to get the audience, to get the ratings. I get that. But I, I just wish that the audience would understand that, you know, it's it's not really like that. It's not this instant gratification of you go in for 15 minutes, do an investigation, you come out, you have a couple of commercials and you have evidence, yeah, right? Yeah, that yeah. That's not, that's not, I mean, we're in a location anywhere from eight to 48 hours in some places. Wow. And, you know, it, it takes us a long time from investigation to audio and video review to actually produce one of our videos. And, you know, for us, a lot of the popular shows really ignore to some extent the historical value of these locations and that's what that's what really drives what we do and so you know it's it's kind of different it's not as fast paced but it's true to who we are and what we do oh absolutely and i'm all about the history i would i would love that part 
as much probably as everything else that we would be doing if I went with you. But no, tell people about your YouTube channel because that's where people can look at videos and, and see what kind of investigations you do. Yeah, so uh, all of the social media, if you look at Soul Sisters Paranormal, um, we're pretty much on all of the the larger platforms. Um, Our website is www.soulsistersparanormal.com. And to your point, we have a YouTube channel that has all of our investigations. It has some of the interviews that we've done. Um, We've got uh, a section called Quick Clips, where if you just don't want to watch the entire video, um, you can just watch clips of the evidence that we captured. They're about one to two minutes each. Um, but I highly encourage you to watch our, our full videos because, you know, we, we do put that historical aspect out there and uh, it's just, it's just a really great watch. They're only about 15 to 30 minutes each. And uh, it just kind of gives that historical aspect. And then, uh, we also have a spinoff series that we call landmarks, legends, and lore, which doesn't so much highlight a paranormal investigation, but it highlights different facets of legends and lore around the country. So for example, um, the last one that we did was haunting aviation so we looked at airline crashes and the uh the haunting legends behind some of those we've done haunting bridges haunting cemeteries so that's kind of what that series does nice and see i will obviously put everything in my show notes because i want everyone to go to her youtube channel subscribe guys it is so much fun to watch her videos and the quick clips are really cool too because yeah you can just go straight to what they find and they and they make it clear for you and they explain things so it's just so much fun and chris as usual you have been a delight and i appreciate you again so much well thank you leslie i, I appreciate all the support you've shown us and we are going to meet at some point whether it's in texas yes, or i have to get you somewhere else <laughs> yes, we we're meeting will. dang it dang it we will Girl, you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will be talking soon. You as well. Thank you. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review, or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription, and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show, and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.